Deconstructing Dogma is a video bonus series hosted exclusively on Patreon. Patrons of the Deeper Pulse have unlimited access to these weekly extras in exchange for their support of the podcast. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash the deeper pulse. Here's a few excerpts from Deconstructing Dogma episodes 21 and 22, where Monica Welty and I sit down to deconstruct holistic fitness. The first episode opens with Monica and I sharing the mixed reactions that we had to a recent episode of one of our favorite podcasts, We Can Do Hard Things, and how while listening to an episode entitled Don't Tell Glennon to Love Her Body, we both had to turn and face our culty wellness indoctrination and, quite frankly, our inner assholes. In our conversations after listening to the episode, we realized that this would be a great opportunity for us to deconstruct our wellness indoctrination in real time, particularly the way that we were taught to think that we really know some shit. But do we? We're not so sure. The conversation opened there and it went all sorts of places. Here's a quick sample. Like reflexively, I started sorting and being like, well, she's talking about body here. She's talking about, oh, that's the mind. And oh, Amanda just conflated the mind and the soul. Like they're two separate things. My dogma was entering in in that critical way where I started to sort it and, and think like that I somehow understood this totally and completely mysterious thing that none of us fucking understand that I know how it works. So that was what was happening for me the most was like the body, mind, emotion, spirit framework that, again, it wasn't just a part of the org. It was just a part of new age wellness and these categories that somehow I have some sort of authority that I understand these categories so well because I've been studying them for so long. Yeah. And it's not to say that either one of us wouldn't be able to add something great to the discussion there. We would have, but not from that place. No. Right? (laughs) We would have been like souls. When I was like, she could have had me on, and I could be the expert on this <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> exact oh, opposite. God, that's so funny. I know. <laughs> Which is so not where we've landed, just so you all know. Yes. But in yes. that moment, I had that. I had that happening too. Like I was just like, I realize how deep it goes. Yeah. And so, this was what I was thinking about in terms of not just the org, but in terms of the cultiness of new age wellness and the way we look to people who only have a certain expertise to be able to provide us with a larger scope of support that's way outside of their expertise. And how, for example, you know, you're saying like, I want to have more voices in, in the Patreon, right? Is because if we diffuse the leadership out, yeah. and if we bring in more people with different scopes of practice, then we're able to truly support people. And I can step back and say, this is outside of what I can do. But here's Hillary McBride. Exactly. She can yeah. step in here. Yeah. And I don't have an ego about it. Because I know what yeah. I know, right? Exactly. So I think I think a lot of this has come from the move toward holistic and a holistic approach. So 
when we think about holistic, it means like all the realms, right? So it's addressing the body, the mind, the emotion, spirit. And I think that's kind of where things went really sideways. And again, not just in the org, in wellness culture in general, like Mm -hmm. in order to have a holistic fitness practice, you have to feign authority and knowledge around these things that you might not. And to be generous in my assumptions, I think the supposition is because we can look around the room and sense even outside of an intensive experience, just in a class, like my first few org classes. I was having a holistic experience in that I was emotionally impacted. I was impacted on all these levels. I think that the kind of distinction that you're talking about is saying, it's great if we create a holistic experience where people are impacted on all these levels. And yet we need to know how to stay in our lane Mm -hmm. and to guide them towards resources that support those other aspects of what's going to happen as a result. sort of an adage in wellness culture is the body never lies. Yes. And you can trust your body no matter what. And it's the ultimate authority. And as somebody who's all about agency, I love throwing this one around all the time. <laughs> it's like my I go to, you know best for you, feel into your body, la la la. And there's something to that 100% and never always. Yeah. And I bring it up here on the heels of what you just said, because I think what happens is in addition to you can get everything you need here, there's this reductive oversimplification of my body doesn't want that. Therefore, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all that matters. And there's such a complexity in terms of if our body doesn't want something, why that might be the case and how there's just so much nuance there. and like. The tool of let's tune into our bodies and ask ourselves what we want is really useful. And then again, it becomes dogmatic and weaponized. And it's like, always just listen to your instincts no matter what. And that's it. That's the end of conversation. Mm -hmm. Not factoring in how trauma plays into the way that we read situations and circumstances. Like I've been in rooms before that were totally safe that I felt terrified in. My body said, fuck this. And it said it for really complex reasons. It wasn't because the space was dangerous. And I think of this a lot when I think of trans rights and listening to trans folks talk about this issue. And like Laverne Cox, one of the best interviews I ever heard with her, she was talking about how there's this real conflation where people feel uncomfortable and they think that that means something's unsafe. Yes. It's like, those are two different things. Just because you're uncomfortable, it does not mean something's unsafe. So if we hyperbolize Mm -hmm. this whole body, listen to your body thing, we can justify all sorts of shitty behavior. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're like, oh, I feel heart palpitations when I see that person. I need to trust my body and stay away from them when that might not exactly be the situations a lot more complicated. So I bring it in because I think when I think of you saying to Raul, I want to go take a Pilates class. And when he says, you can get everything you need here, I think he's speaking structurally, but he's also speaking in that way. Like, we're teaching you to listen to your body and that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Self-healing a was a big thing, right? Yes. Like, you just listen to your body. That's all you need. We're teaching you the one tool that's going to make all the difference. Yep. And you don't need to go anywhere else. Yep. 
And that's dangerous. Yep. Or limiting. And it's, at the very and least. it's ignorant. And it's ignorant. Right. There's an yeah. ignorance in that, in that thing that, that infuses new age culture that is so dangerous. Right. Later on in this two-parter, we dig even deeper through a discussion about dissociation, why and when it might be useful and healthy even. My ideal way, that's that idealism. Yeah, like so much of the dogmas are based on, you know, and like it was something I wanted to point to around this discussion of the body stuff, of the enforcing of embodiment that because if we create this ideal that the ideal is to be in our bodies, to be sensing, and to stay in our bodies, then what can happen is that healthy dissociation yes. is made wrong. And we touched upon this a little bit in the conversation with Susan, Tracy and I did with Susan. We were all just talking about dissociation and how it serves a really healthy purpose. And that we can become sort of militant around embodiment. Yeah. Like that people need to be in their bodies when it's not safe to be in that body. Yeah. When I say safe, I mean safe to the psyche. Like the psyche yeah. is doing what it's doing for a reason and a purpose. And when we're strong arming another person or ourselves. Yeah, that's huge. I, I don't know if I've ever heard healthy and disassociation put together, but it's true. There's a real mm-hmm. advantage. I mean, even now in this in this moment that I'm in, with everything being so hard and heavy, like I still have to get up and get my kid ready for school and I have to go do massage and I have to tend to my own finances. And I, like I have to do all of the things. And so I also know right now in this time that like there's a level that I'm not processing because I'm not able to. That's exactly it. There's the, no It's like the, understanding the limitations yeah. of the human experience in any given moment. Healthy dissociation is what enabled me to survive my childhood. Yes. Right. So, and when I say healthy, I mean like it's not ideal. And like I think, oh, I'm just getting this hit. I think we have equated healthy and ideal, and they'd mean two different things. Mm. It's like a healthy response means an ideal response in our capitalist culture, I think. To be healthy is to have this body to yeah. this to die at age ninety two or whatever you know. Like, yeah. That's that's an ideal, but like actually, healthy is a nuanced thing. Yeah, and like a healthy response to a situation is the thing that creates a sense of equilibrium or balance within the individual in the moment. I'm just making that up, but like yeah. for me, that's how I think of healthy now. And so it, it was healthy for me to be in an org meeting. And to be berated and to dissociate. Because if I stayed, the tension in my body would have been destructive. Or go back to my childhood. If I stayed in my body, it would have been worse. It was better for me to dissociate and close my lip and go to my room and punch my pillow. That was the healthy response. (laughs) Because it was the thing that optimized my safety the most. And I think about meditation done all kinds of meditation over the last 20 years. And there are times my meditation is body-centered and grounding, and there are times when my meditation has literally been dissociative. Yes. It's about transcending and being above it, and that's been really helpful. I'm like, I just need to hang out here for 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. It's why I love to sleep. 
I love to sleep. It's like an ongoing gro- joke between Chris and I because I get so excited for bed. I'm like, bed, sorry. He's just like, you're so weird. Because I need to leave. I got to yeah. fucking leave this place. Yeah, give me a break. I can't stay here all the time. Like, I love leaving. And then when I come back, I'm like, oh, this is so much better. If I don't get yeah. sleep, I dissociate all day long because I didn't get to leave. So yeah. I think there's something really healthy about it. So that's my rant on, you know, why I think dissociation can be healthy. And I don't think it's healthy as like a general rule of way to move through life. But I I think I did overcorrect in like, you need to be in your body at all times, no matter what's happening. And if you leave, you failed somehow. It's like, me? No, I don't think so. Yeah. And then you're, and then you're sitting in a meeting getting berated. (laughs) How are you supposed to stay in your body without Mm -hmm. leaving? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, it's that it serves you until it doesn't. Exactly. That's so important. So we don't have to, we don't, again, Mm -hmm. with this sort of compassion for ourselves as younger people, is that like, yeah, again, it was not ideal, but it was the right choice for you. And happily, we are these adaptable creatures, right? Who can take that out later and start looking at it, assuming we have the resources and the abilities yeah. and like that. Not everyone can. I don't mean to say that, but there's, there is often a possibility that right now there's levels of my grief that I just know I'm stuffing that I know I cannot process right now. Mm-hmm. And, but I will later, <laughs> yeah. I will later, I know it. Right. So there's this level of compassion for ourselves. I think that's so important in that. And also, I just wanted to say when you were like, oh, I just got a hit. I was like, it's a spirit pearl. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel it. It's authentic. I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's the real one. You feel that? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) So funny. And I think some of the mocking and and some of that is because we were in a ridiculous environment. (laughs) (laughs) You know, right? Like the yeah. things that we took as as like sacrosanct, right? The things that we uh-huh. took as like biblical was ridiculous. So, right. on a larger scheme, right? Like the whole right. situation, the context with which, yeah. So, yeah. so I think that's also part of it is looking at, and it's a way to I think have a compassion for our, ourselves too is to is to be like so silly. Well, yeah, that's like, it's like so poking young. fun at somebody you love. Yeah. Like it sort of yes. feels like that. Oh, you human. Exactly. <laughs> Look at you humaning over there. So true. So true. Then Monica poses a question to the Patreon community. What was it that we were seeking in these culty environments? And what are some healthier ways for us to meet those needs now that we're out? What was it that... We, and again, speaking specifically of the org, but it can be extrapolated to other things in our lives. Like, what was it that we needed in our lives that being a part of the org or taking org classes even brought to us? And like, how, especially for people who were on their way out or, or kind of early in the process, like, how do we meet that need elsewhere? How do we meet that need in a more authentic way? 
how do we meet that need without jumping to another another organization or another group that would just give us more of the you know culty stuff yeah right yeah more dogma more dogma more yeah. this is the answer yeah i mean i think it's a great question and we're going to pose it to all of you on the patreon thread like drop it in the comments what brought you in what did you love so much and how are you finding ways to meet that need or are you finding ways to meet that need outside of it without getting pulled into another dogmatic structure i think it's a really great question that we're not going to be able to answer today but that we can all kind of explore together um what was it for you i mean so many things you know like the i remember one time again sort of early early and i was just moving i was just dancing in a class and i realized like oh my god i'm not trying to lose weight yeah. I'm just yeah. feeling good right now. This feels so good. I'm just enjoying being in my body, you know? So I think that that relationship to my to my body of like the need, I would say it was like self-acceptance. I had real moments all, for all the whole time, you know, the whole decade that I was really involved. I had really pure moments of just really accepting who I was and what my body looked like and all of that. And, you know, and that's what we call there the joy of movement, I would say, right. was, mm-hmm. you know, these moments of real, of a real sense of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so now I can say when I feel that again is when I'm writing mm-hmm. now, right. I really feel that feels like a, a pretty, I mean, we're, we were talking about, the critic and stuff while you're writing. But man, when I'm really going, like it feels like a pretty integrative experience. I can feel my feet on the floor and I can feel my mind going and I'm often writing about emotional things. And there's this Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, the spirit sense of like, there's a real ease and joy that comes with it, you know, that feels Mm -hmm. like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right, in terms yeah. of like a larger a purpose, the need for having a purpose is fulfilled. You know, and I find it, and, and I always have my whole life find it in swimming. It's not quite as integrative, I think, but there's still that sense of like, I'm doing this because it feels good. Yeah. Right. I love this feeling of yeah. being underwater. I love this feeling of the world being muffled for a while. I love how strong mm-hmm. I, how I can move in a way in the pool that I can't on land. And yeah. Right. So that was one, one major thing for me was that, and in a way, which is nice is, is actually the org classes showed me that I wanted that. Right. Mm -hmm. Showed me that I wanted that, that I wanted to move my body and not be trying to get it to be something different than it was. Not that I, right. I mean, that's just pretty much in those moments. It's not like I was right. cured of that, right? But having moments, <laughs> right? Having exactly. moments of, yeah. of no yeah. self consciousness or a lack or lower yeah. self consciousness. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I have the yeah. same thing where I'm like, everything's a cult. Where am I supposed to go? <laughs> I can't. I can't be in any group of people. <laughs> 
that's dogma. That's indoctrination. That's a cult. But that's part of our humanity is the fact that we do that. Like, yeah. that's just what we do. We, we swing on the pendulum. We're like, yeah. I went from this extreme. I got to hang out over here now for a little while. So funny. Like, this was the process that we were in. This We lived in the chaotic spaces. And so we moved into a world where we were like, could I have a formula? Because none of this stuff makes sense. And I'm pretty sure. Sh- and it looks like other people have sense <laughs> about how this mm-hmm. works. And just like the the way that as we progress and we move through our lives and we can have like forgiveness and understanding and compassion for those, you know, people that we were, we were meeting those needs. Those were legitimate things that have brought us to where we are. And now we have, you know, 20 years later, all of these other ways that we're doing that for ourselves and that we're finding our way our own personal ways through these dynamics that we were in and how we want to do things differently and who we want to be in community with and how that community will look. And, and in 20 years from now, we could be here again being like, I remember when we had that conversation and it'd be like, remember when we were obsessed with cults. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And we will, right. Because we'll get, we'll have a new perspective. And again, that's that like, there is no there there and that we're all, and that like part of the most beautiful thing about being human is that we're always trying to figure it out. We're always trying to learn. Deconstructing Dogma episodes 21 and 22 also touch upon how Monica and I are both learning to make room for our so-called negative emotions what she is continuing to learn from the loss of loved ones in the past many months and years. And I share a story that I've never before shared on the pod about a moment when I experienced what in the org we referred to as a spirit mandate, my third year into the practice, and why magical thinking was so essential at that point in my life. To access all that and more Deconstructing Dogma bonus content, visit patreon.com forward slash the deeper pulse.